What's up, everyone? This is your boy, Jeremy John. And I'm Matthew White. And we are the Sports Reality Podcast. Just wanted to say thanks for tuning into this episode. And to let you know that you can listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Just go on any of those podcast platforms and search for the Sports Reality Podcast. Hit the subscribe button so you can be up to date on all of our content. Thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 136th edition of the Sports Reality. My name is Jeremy John, a.k.a. the fourth greatest Grenadian of all time. Perfect. A.k.a. the Little Wayne of podcasts, because I will get on any podcast and hit it with the J-Train. Perfect. We have a guest for today. It is uh, one-fourth of the OSS 980 podcast. It's my man, Aaron Childs. Aaron, how you doing? I can't complain. How you doing? Doing well, man. Uh, how did you deal with the... Uh, mini snowstorm we had here the same way i've been dealing with everything else this year in the house perfect (laughs) i don't move around like that so that doesn't really affect me the way it does everybody else (laughs) that's what's up that's what's up since it's your first time on the podcast introduce yourself where you're from uh your favorite sports teams favorite athletes go ahead um, so uh, I'm a part of, like you said, the other side of sports podcast with Harold, Drothin, and Jeff. Um, I grew up in the area uh, my whole life between uh, Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. Uh, but if anybody asks where I'm from, usually I say Oxen Hill. Um, as far as the teams go, I don't know that I necessarily have teams the way that I did growing up. I was a big w- local fan, um, but I've kind of been turned off to probably all the teams over the course of my adulthood. So I, I'm more of a casual fan than I have been most of my life. Um, but I guess I identify with the local teams and watch them closer than most of the other teams. All right, all right. That's what's up. Uh, we have a lot for today's show. We're going to talk about NBA news. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden, also first impressions with the NBA so far. We'll recap week 14 of the nfl we'll also talk about uh a little bit of major league baseball um some stuff outside of sports and then we'll wrap it up with uh part two i guess last last episode i had my boy jonathan tillman on where we spoke about what's the next step for hbcu athletics so i kind of wanted to ask aaron the same question get his point of view so this will be kind of like a part two just want to remind you all to uh, subscribe to the podcast where podcasts are available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, really anywhere there's a podcast. You can definitely get us on there. Just search for the Sports Reality Podcast. So subscribe, leave a review, pass the word. Also, make sure if you haven't already, subscribe to the OSS 980 Podcast, which is Aaron's podcast with Harold uh, D and Jeff, so make sure you check them out. Let's now get into the NBA, recap the big news that has happened. 
let's we actually mentioned Giannis Antetokounmpo, but let's start off with Paul George. Paul George signed his uh, contract extension, where I think five year extension with an opt out after year four. There was a lot of people, especially on social media, who were you know criticizing the Clippers for signing Paul George. I saw it as what you just have to do. I thought that was the expected step. Uh, what did you think about the Paul George signing, Aaron? I mean, I agree 100%. After all of the things that they'd done to not only get him there, but to let him drive some of the other players that had been there longer and been a part of their organization longer out and to move them, you kind of put yourself in the corner and box yourself into either having to move Paul George for assets or giving him a max contract. So, like you said, they basically did what they had to do. Yeah, and, and look, I know he was called Pandemic P during the postseason. I understand he struggled, and he's had struggles in the postseason. I mean, he's still a top 20 NBA player, and if you got him on your team, you should sign them. So I didn't see anything wrong. Um, also, I expect when Kawhi's con- – or at least he's able to opt out, I think, after this season, he'll probably do the same thing, and then his contract's probably going to be higher than – Paul George is or around the same based on the salary cap. And then it's going to be much ado about nothing. So I, I didn't see anything about it. I didn't see any issue with it. Now, um, the big news, Giannis Antetokounmpo signed his Supermax contract five years. I think $228 million, I think. Uh, several weeks ago or like a month ago, I stepped in for Harold Laws on your podcast. And we actually spoke about the, you know, potential of Giannis staying with the Milwaukee Bucks you had an interesting perspective for why you thought Giannis would stay there what was that perspective uh if I remember correctly uh I think I said that he's not a part of America or black American culture so he doesn't fall victim to some of the things that I feel like drive some of these other players to chase rings um, and leave some of that money on the table and go to some of these larger market teams. So I think that was the biggest driving force in people pretty much assuming he would sign back with the Bucks. Yeah, I I was kind of thinking the same thing. Also because of his age, um, this isn't my thought. This was brought up. I can't remember who said it. Literally hurt, or was it you all? I don't know. I was listening to so many podcasts. Uh, this week someone mentioned that um because of his age he was like yo let me take the big contract now and if four or five years from now i'm still struggling in milwaukee then i can go somewhere else and get you know a lot of money but you can't pass up on this one because of how much it was you know this is five years 220 plus million dollars so I don't I don't know how you pass that up just to say, you know, you want to go team up with someone else, especially when you are at the moment the second best player in the NBA. So uh, congratulations to him. Where do you think the Milwaukee Bucks are going to end this season? Do you think it's going to be uh, Eastern Conference finals appearance an NBA finals appearance an NBA finals win? What do you think, uh, Aaron? I think the East got harder than it was last year. So I don't know that they're necessarily a shoe in to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you see, I guess, was it Doc Rivers ended up in Philadelphia? So you always have to see what's going to happen there because they've had high hopes for the last few seasons. KD and Kyrie up in Brooklyn. Um, and even with Westbrook coming to the Wizards, a lot of people feel like they're drastically better than they were with John Wall. So 
that would have to mean, I guess, a top four seed in the East, wouldn't it? So, I mean, you have teams, Miami still there, who was in the finals last year. So I just feel like the East got much harder than it was last year. So I don't know that they necessarily will be or end up going much further than they did uh, in the bubble. Yep, yep, yep. Let's now move on to James Harden. James Harden took a while to report to camp. Uh, and he was also spotted in several places, several strip clubs, several parties. I think he had some ties with Lil Baby for Lil Baby's. Uh, not sorry. Yeah, Lil Baby. Not the, Lil Baby. I always got confused which one it is. But Lil Baby, he was at his birthday party. Um, so he had to test negative for COVID-19 six times in a row before he was allowed to uh, basically associate with anyone else on the team um he is still looks like he's still asking for a trade there was trade rumors about him going to philadelphia now that that is the team and everyone brings up well you know they obviously have mb they have simmons you can move one of them and possibly someone else and then also or a couple other players and then another team that kind of snuck in there the last couple days is the Milwaukee Bucks because Giannis is locked up for some years. So maybe they team up. What do you think? First of all, do you think he's going to be traded this season? I think that's completely up to Harden because initially they were acting like there's no way he's going to get moved. Then when you saw him on the party circuit, all of a sudden conversations start to happen where it's okay, maybe Philadelphia, maybe all these other places. If he continues to like antagonize the team and try to make it clear that he doesn't want to be there, then they're going to end up having to move him because you could just create a toxic situation in that locker room um, if he made it a point to make sure he got out of there. Yeah, I, I, I think he will get traded. I just think it's going to be later in the year, probably real close to trade deadline. Um, Milwaukee is interesting because obviously Giannis is there. You have Chris Milton, but you have to make the contracts work in the trade. And the one deal that you could, or at least one stepping stone, one piece you could definitely use is Drew Holiday. But you got to wait until I think very close to the trade deadline before he's even eligible to be traded because he just signed with the Bucks. Also, I think there's going to have to be a third team involved just to move these contracts around. Now, Philadelphia is interesting because of, at least there's Ben Simmons. And it, for, before I continue, how, what do you, how do you feel about Ben Simmons and his prospects for the rest of his career, Aaron? So I'm actually the opposite of most people. I'm not as high as in, on Embiid as most people are. I think the piece you build around would be Simmons. And you end up and you'd also get more for Embiid in the trade than you would get for Simmons. So I would I mean, I think his ceiling is high, even if he never learns to shoot the ball. But I just feel like his game and Embiid's game isn't very cohesive. And the way that team was built was more of an issue than uh Simmons' actual game. Okay, so for you, you think the better package is having Embiid part of the trade and not Ben Simmons. Now, um, I know obviously you're going to have to probably put someone else in the trade, but uh, there were some rumors that said it'll be Harden and probably like a PJ Tucker going along in the trade. 
And I feel like that would complicate things. And then you still need to add more salary to the trade from the 76ers point of view. But those are the two teams that people are talking about. Do you think there's any other team that could potentially be in the mix for a James Harden trade? So my issue is not necessarily the money as much as what Houston's getting back in any of these trades. Most of these teams, including Milwaukee, don't have anything I think Houston would feel like they even got close to breaking even with if they got in a trade. To be honest, people were slandering Paul George. If I'm the Clippers, I might look at moving somebody like Paul. Can Paul George go to Houston for, for Harden? <laughs> I mean, it, that's a good idea. And that's why I ask because I'm like, I can't really think of any other teams. But, I mean... Harden's a top five player in the league. You're not just going to get him for peanuts. Mm-hmm. And so all of these teams, they keep naming. Okay, yeah, Harden will want to go there and play. But what would they be able to give back other than the good player they already have? Exactly. Brooklyn's not giving up KD. Like, who are you going to get back? Yeah, I felt like, obviously, when the first when we first heard that James Harden wanted to leave and Brooklyn was the destination, it sounds good when you initially hear it and then you look at Brooklyn's roster you're like, all right, so who's going to be part of the trade? Like, it just can't be future picks. Uh, it has to be actual players. And then, you, what, are you going to say Kyrie? I've heard rumors that it'll be Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. And I'm like, well, hold on. Would Brooklyn even want to give up those three guys? Like, you would then think. You have John Wall and Kyrie Irving in the same stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have Kyrie, John Wall, and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie with uh, Demarcus Cousins. Like, I mean, that ball. I mean, everyone yeah. just whoever touched the ball first coming across half court is going to shoot. <laughs> and so, to me, it just kind of jives with what you were saying earlier, where you're going to have to get closer to the trade deadline, see what team that you kind of had hopes for that's not going as far or not being as successful as they anticipated going into the season. And one of those star players might end up getting moved. Even if we're talking about, I don't, wouldn't want to see it happen, but like a Bradley Bill, you know what I mean? Some, something going on in the city where you have hopes for playoffs and things like that, and it's just not working out, and you got to end up moving a star and starting over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of off topic, but James Harden, like, where does he, in your opinion, where does he fall, I guess, when it comes to, like, all-time scores? Where would you put him, like, in, in, in is he, like, top five, top ten? I've heard people I've say... alluded would, to him being the best ever at times over the past couple of years. Just scoring. Like, mm-hmm. just ability to score from anywhere on the court in different ways. Like, I've never seen anybody be able to shoot and get to the basket as well as he can mm. and finish at the basket. But uh, KD, I think, is in that conversation who could be number one ever. Um, of course, people are going to say Jordan, uh, Kobe, uh, T-Mac was up there. But, um, I mean, I think James Harden is definitely in the top five. Mm-hmm. Let's now move on to, uh, I guess, the Washington Wizards, my favorite team. Um, obviously, Westbrook traded to the Wizards. For John Wall, stories coming out that Westbrook wasn't cool with, I guess, how James Harden and the rest of the Houston uh, franchise was operating, and that's why he wanted out, and then, obviously, the easiest deal was the Wizards, just because of John Wall's contract. Before we move on, John Wall, 
What do you have to say about John Wall John Wall's career here in Washington? I think it's unfortunate, but this happens a lot with all of the teams in Washington that I feel like he kind of wasted his prime on a, on an organization that was never committed to winning. Um, and maybe they it wasn't that they weren't committed to winning, but they had guys in place that didn't know what it took to win in the 2000s. So you got Ernie Grunfeld and now uh, what's his name? Um, Tommy Shepard now. Tommy Shepard, who seems to be basically Ernie's little brother. It just <laughs> it just seems like his prime was wasted because he's I, I think he ends up being very underrated here because he's a pass first point guard, but he's never had until Bill came anybody who could score the basketball. Exactly. And even beyond that, Bradley Bill's way of scoring isn't necessarily conducive to a pass first point guard where you're running up and down the floor, maybe have him a long three or a long uh, power forward who could run the floor and finish with him. It just, you just never saw those type of players here to compliment him. So I just think it's unfortunate that the city and the fans don't kind of look back on his stay here as maybe what they should, even in the community, just, what he represented for the city the 10 years that he was here. But, um, I mean, John Wall, he's, I mean, he got us the farthest we've ever been in, at least in my lifetime. I was born in 1987. And I mean, we, we, we didn't even get to the second round. We got to the second round once in 05 with the, the first run with Gilbert arenas. And then obviously John Wall, I guess three times now got to the second round or two times got to the second round. That was the highlight of Washington bullets last wizards basketball. So I, I think he's still going to go down as one of the greatest wizards point guards. He's obviously going to go down as one of the greatest wizards players. Are they going to hang his Jersey in the rafters? Maybe. I mean, they should, when you think about who else is up there too. I mean, other than Wes and, and Hayes who are actual, like, Hall of Famers. I mean, they got a couple guys up there. They're good. Phil Shanier, right. Like, he's better than (laughs) Phil Shanier. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Earl the Pearl, yes, he played well, but his, his, uh, a lot of people don't even remember he played for the Bullets, even though he started with the Bullets. Like, people remember him with the Knicks. Um, so yeah, I think he has to definitely be up there. Now, now, Russell Westbrook, he, uh, what do you think his, what do you think is gonna look like for him with the Wizards? How do you think he's gonna be? Do you think he's gonna be the Westbrook that was getting triple doubles the first year and exciting and the team's winning? Or is he gonna be the West, Russell Westbrook that is getting triple doubles and the team's not doing anything? I mean, that's to be determined, but I'm kind of biased because I'm not really a huge fan of his style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though when he was by himself, you know what I mean? He ended up winning the MVP, uh, finishing the season, averaging a triple-double. That's just not the style of basketball I want to see my local team playing. That being said, he's going to end up being in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think from a, a, a locker room culture standpoint, he's going to put a lot more pressure on some of these guys that were – here that haven't been performing. Um, Thomas Bryant, uh, Troy Brown, a lot of these guys that just seem to kind of like stick around the Wizards for a few years and not really develop much. Like there's going to be a lot more pressure, I feel like, on guys to to 
to get better and to improve. Um, when you look at the pieces that they were able to bring back with uh, Bertans and then uh, the draft pick, I feel like they have a chance in the East to at least be a top four seed. They should like if everybody's saying Westbrook is so much better than Walt, they have to be in the top half of the seed for the playoffs. They mm-hmm. just they just have to be. Yeah, I th- as much as I'm gonna miss John Wall. Russell Westbrook is just a better basketball player. Now his style is different, but I think he's just better. Hopefully him and Beal could work better. Who I think this benefits a lot. And unfortunately he's going to really bother me is Scott Brooks. I think this is going to be another excuse to keep Scott Brooks even longer. Extension. You already know. <laughs> so that's the scary part about this. Like we might actually play good this season and then now be like, all right, well, we got to keep him here longer. And then we plateau with Scott Brooks and that's it. Uh, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Let's get to NBA first impressions. Preseason started about a week ago. Some teams still have only played one game. I think the Wizards' second game is tonight, actually. So, what are your first... Let's go through some notable names. Kevin Durant. Oh, actually, have you even watched preseason basketball? Not one second. (laughs) Okay. Not one second. (laughs) So, I I can go ahead and answer these questions. Uh, I mean, but if you have anything to add in, definitely just step in. Kevin Durant. I know he only played... Maybe 10, 15 minutes in that game against the Washington Wizards, but he did look explosive. It did not look like he was struggling to move around. Now, obviously, we're going to have to see when the season starts. It's 72 regular season games this year. If a star player like Kevin Durant, you're you're asking him to play 37, 38, 39, 49, 40 minutes a game. I want to see how he looks after playing a 40-minute game, yes, but he didn't look like he was struggling uh, with mobility. So the prospects look up for Kevin Durant. John Wall definitely looked another guy who looked pretty good coming off of an Achilles injury. Um, same thing, I got to see how it is after you know playing one game and then you got another game. Are you going to be playing back-to-backs? But it didn't look like the speed or the quickness disappeared. So that's good for them. Uh, LaMelo Ball, rookie for the uh, Charlotte Hornets. He got 10 rebounds in his preseason debut. He didn't score, but he had 10 rebounds, four assists. And the fact that he got 10 rebounds, I don't care that it's preseason. That's still a big thing. He also doesn't look, he's definitely grown. His body has grown. He, he, he is not the small, scrawny teenager he was just even a year and a half ago. He actually looked like an NBA player standing next to other NBA players. So that's a good thing. Charlotte, I don't think they're going to win a lot of games, but it's going to be pretty interesting. Joel Embiid, he played well against the, against the uh, Boston Celtics. It looks like he might have lost some weight. I would love him to lose a little more weight just to help with the mobility. Um, but he looked very aggressive in the post in the little bit that he played. He wasn't taking those crazy shots. Those, You know, the fact that he was taking five threes a game last year is ridiculous. So I I, I hope he continues staying in the post. And, you want to uh, be a three? 
<laughs> I hope he like stays there because he has all the potential to be a great, not just a good player. He has the potential to be a great, but there's just things he got to work on. He got to work on the diet. He got to work on the weight. He has to work on the drive. And but if he does, I mean, it's a cliche, but the sky is definitely the limit. He has to want to be a center. I think that's the first step in him taking that next step is he has to want to play the center position, not to stretch for, not to be cute and make highlight reels, showing everybody everything he can do, dribbling and hovering around the key. He has to want to bang because nobody in the league can play with him if he decides he wants to play in the paint. Exactly, exactly. That will wrap it up here for our NBA segment. Let's now get into the NFL, recap the scores for week 14 starting with last thursday night the rams smacked the patriots 30 24 to 3 uh new england seven losses in the regular season for the first time since 2002 it was the year after brady and belichick won their first super bowl uh vikings fell to the buccaneers 26 to 14 the uh buccaneers have won seven of the last nine games versus the minnesota vikings the Giants fell to the Cardinals in Danny Dimes or Daniel Jones's return to the lineup. Uh, Hassan Reddick, five sacks, three forced fumbles. And um, did Colt McCoy finish that game? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I think he did. Okay. But they tried to play it off like it was an injury. Like an injury was the reason that he um, ended up coming in. But Daniel Jones was being trash as usual. <laughs> Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. You are a huge Patrick Mahomes fan. Let the listeners know what you think about Patrick Mahomes. I think he's the GOAT already. <laughs> I know you got to let it play out and let the accomplishments kind of meet the talent. But to me, he's the GOAT. I've seen enough. He had his worst game as a professional. Three interceptions. Who had a crazy sack where he lost, I think, like 30 yards on the play. Yep. And they still won 33 to 27. And honestly, the game to me felt like it was never in doubt, even with all that. It looked like he was point shaving. <laughs> That's exactly what it looked like. Like, you know, we're going to win the game just by how much. <laughs> yeah, man. So that was, that was probably literally his worst game he's ever played in his three years as a starter. And it's the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are now eight and five, but the Dolphins are they're a good team. So for that to happen and you still get a win, that was impressive. The Titans smacked the Jaguars 31 to 10. The Bears behind Mitchell Trubisky. Two straight wins for the Bears. They're now six and seven. Defeat the Texans 36 to 7. Aaron, you said something very interesting in this week's podcast about Trubisky's game against the Houston Texans. Aaron, you had a very interesting opinion about Mitchell Trubisky's game against the Houston Texans. Why did you think he was motivated for this game more than usual? Because if you remember that year that he got drafted, that's the year that Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes ended up coming out. And you know all the slander that he's taken and the organization has taken basically because those two players are so much better than than he's been thus far. And so I just don't think he's one of those self-motivated players. I think he kind of needs some kind of outside energy or this 
kind of underdog wave to come for him to like have these kind of performances. Because if, if he could play like this consistently, he wouldn't have gotten benched. He wouldn't lose his job. He wouldn't be considered to be so much below Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes as far as quarterbacks go. So um, it's just weird that sometimes you look at him and he can cook and you like, he belongs. Why would you bench? Why would you play Nick Foles anyway? And then you look at him other weeks and he looks like one of the most inaccurate lost quarterbacks in the league. It's just, to me, it just doesn't add up. Yeah. I. <laughs> it's so, it's so crazy because this, I believe is their first matchup against each other. And obviously Trubisky has the W, but yeah, you're right. Deshaun Watson's clearly better than him. He's on a, better track than him or he was up until all the stuff that Texans organization has has left him with you know took his best receiver out and then left him with some garbage and no first round draft pick this year Uh, but yeah Trubisky definitely probably played one of his best games of his career the Broncos defeated the Panthers 32-27 the Seahawks now Aaron this is the first time I'm watching this score I'm looking at this score I didn't realize the score was this crazy. Seahawks defeated the <laughs> Jets 40 to 3. <laughs> Get the off of. And that was that was the, what was the spread on that game? Oh, uh, I want to say like 13 and a half. And I remember I'm, I listened to you all uh on your podcast. Who y'all some of y'all weren't sure like if it was like 13 and a half is a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> it got destroyed. <laughs> The Colts, 9-4, they defeated the Raiders 44-27. Raiders lost three of the last four games. It could have been four of the last four games if it wasn't for Greg Williams, you know, zero cover. Uh, <laughs> zero blitz. <laughs> zero blitz. <laughs> and that allowed uh, the rookie rugs get down there to score the touchdown in the last seconds of the game. Things could have been looking a lot different for the Raiders. They're still alive. Uh you- your Washington football team, six and seven, top of the AFC, I mean NFC East. They defeated the 49ers 23 to 15. We'll talk about them a little later. The Saints were upset by the Eagles behind Jalen Hurts. We'll talk about that. Chargers got a finally got a close win. They beat the Falcons 20 to 17. Packers defeated the Lions 31-24. Steelers, two straight losses. They fell to the Bills 26 15 the bills are 10 and 3 the steelers are 11 and 2 and monday night football the ravens defeated the browns and we'll start right there was that the best game of the football season so far the browns uh yeah the ravens versus oh the ravens and the browns yeah um i i don't know um i mean because i feel like if, if lamar doesn't have to take the bathroom break or get cramps, whichever one you want to believe, <laughs> it doesn't become a game. It never gets that close. <laughs> that's, um, that's true. Because it looked like they had run away with it. And then when he ended up going out, then you saw where it looked like they, they had a chance to get back in it. And eventually it looked like the Browns may have even won the game. Um, but to come back on fourth and five, to me, that might be the most clutch play in NFL season. Because it was fourth and five. You haven't warmed up. You come fresh out the locker room and touchdown. <laughs> yeah man he, uh, Lamar was definitely looking really good um, as you mentioned a little earlier um, they said he had cramps he had to go to the locker room get an IV 
I've never seen someone with cramps run to the locker room like that, but I've seen <laughs> someone run to a toilet like that plenty of times. <laughs> and um, yeah, man, it, it, it's so crazy when you think about this. You mentioned the fourth and five play that he had to convert coming back out of the locker room. But I think the one thing a lot of people aren't talking about is the injury to Trace McSorley. That allowed them allowed him enough time to actually get there. Cause think about it. Let's say McSorley just gets sacked. You got 40 seconds to run the next play. But because he was injured, it was an injury timeout. And it just so happened that's when Lamar Jackson came out of the locker room. So I think that was a big thing uh for the for the Ravens. And then when you think about who he threw the touchdown pass to, Mal- uh uh Malcolm Brown, who who's been struggling all year was definitely struggling in that game had three yeah, drops, drops in <laughs> yeah in the game and then he scores a touchdown uh ravens twitter they've been i i mean i didn't know this until monday night but ravens twitter has been upset with him all year i guess he's been struggling all year and then he he was also one of those players that was talking about you know not getting the ball but struggling at the same time and then um, they're now trying to call him, instead of Hollywood Brown, they're trying to call him Broward County uh, Brown because <laughs> they're like, you can't you can't have Hollywood if you're struggling. You got to get better to, to get Hollywood back. But yeah, Lamar Jackson played pretty good. Baker Mayfield, he did play good. He's been getting better. I will give people that. He has been getting better. But Lamar clearly just showed when the game was on the line, he is just the better quarterback. It's the reason he was an MVP last year. And he, I believe, has the third or fourth best record after they did a crazy stat on ESPN. I think it's like 30-something games. Not even 35. It was like 34. And I believe it was only like Marino and like Brady. And maybe Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. We're better than him. So, like, he, he he's playing well. Uh, Jalen Hurts, he's in the star lineup for the Philadelphia Eagles. He wins in his debut against the Saints. Aaron, did you watch any of that game? I watched some of it. From what you saw, do you think it was simply Jalen Hurts, okay, new quarterback, he can do different things or were some of the other players also playing good on that offense for the Eagles? So I think it was kind of two things. The first one is the saints had a terrible defensive game plan to go against Jalen hurts. That was the first thing. Secondly, whenever a quarterback plays bad, everybody goes and pretends like the rest of the roster is automatically trash. You forget that they had talent on that roster. If you take away Carson's turnovers every game, you probably add three to four wins to the to them alone. And that's not with a quarterback having to overpower a defense or dominate a game. Just take away his turnovers and mistakes and his sacks. And you probably end up winning three or four more games this year. So I think that's all that that was, was somebody who, one, had legs to be able to escape some of the pressure from the pocket. Um, and also defenses have to kind of look at blitzing him differently than they would a Carson Wentz, who they know is is a lot stiffer, um, who tries to move around, but is not necessarily as mobile since all of the injuries. So um, I think it was a good move, and I think they're going to probably end up winning out to finish the year with uh, Jalen Hurts if he remains his quarterback. They have not named him the starter for the remainder of the year, but 
I'm looking for the future. Is Carson Wentz done in Philadelphia? Because of his contract, no. So he's going to get an offseason. He's going to um, – he can't look worse than he did this year. He's going to probably get another chance next year unless Jalen Hurts just looks all-world. But he didn't even look all-world in this game. I think he had 100 and something yards passing. They just ended up getting the win. But Carson will be the quarterback probably next year because if they were to cut him, it would cost them $59 million um, next year. And then if they cut him the year after, it's still $21 million. So at the least, he's going to end up getting uh, 2021 to play out. Your Washington football team, four-game winning streak. First time, based on y'all trivia, this happened since <laughs> 2016. Um Alex Smith. Well, first, let's start with the game. That defense you all have. I mean, you all have been talking about it. I mentioned it at the beginning of the year during our NFL preview that Washington will be better. They're not going to make the playoffs, but that defense is going to be really good. Well, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs and the defense is really good. And Chase Young is phenomenal. I can't believe there's actually quote unquote knowledgeable NFL insiders who thought Chase Young was playing bad this year, but I don't I don't know I don't know what they were watching. But anyways, the front four is looking good. What's his name? What's the Ryan Kerrigan actually doing something, but I think he's doing something because of everyone else on that line is just freeing him up at times. The secondary, actually, it's so crazy. Landon Collins goes down. What do you think about that? Uh, the guy who replaced him, Curl. Cam Curl. I think he's played really well this year. Um, we were skeptical, of course, because it's a guy who the coaching staff apparently didn't even know was going to end up playing that well. And that's the most frustrating part, because if you have guys on the roster who can outperform other guys, they should be playing. He never really saw the field until somebody got hurt, which is a little bit frustrating, but um, I think part of it is the team had been in that terrible 3-4 for the last 10 years since Shanahan came. Um, and they were never built to play in a 3-4. So going to a 4-3, I think, was huge for this team this year. In the beginning of the year, this is their first time playing in a 4-3. They had a rookie player, a bunch of other young players. Montez Sweat was here, what, his second year? Mm. And it just took time for, I feel like, Del Rio to find the right calls to make for the secondary to get an idea of grasping the system and playing with the other guys. I think there's still a little bit of struggles at the linebacker position, well, all three linebacker positions, but with how dominant the front four is and how solid the secondary is, I think they kind of mask a lot of the deficiencies uh, that the linebacker position kind of has right now. Yeah, that's a great point that you're making, that that D-line is really good. So the fact they're not giving quarterbacks enough time. So it's your linebackers are serviceable at this moment. Obviously, you want to upgrade like you mentioned, but at the moment, they are serviceable. Now, Alex Smith was injured during the game against the 49ers. It is a calf injury. And as we are recording right now, Dwayne Haskins has taken first team team reps all week in practice now ron rivera did say that alex smith is a quarterback that could be absent from practice or you know not get first team reps and still end up starting because of his knowledge of the offense um do you think alex smith is going to start this game against the seahawks 
I think it's a zero percent chance. I think the coach is just doing what he has to do to kind of throw the Seattle Seahawks off as far as preparing for the game. When you see the spread that came out this week at after a four-game winning streak and with that D-line, I think Seattle's favorite like six, six and a half or something like that. It's clear everybody knows that Haskins is going to start and not Alex Smith. Um, and, and Alex Smith was thinking it up before he got hurt in the last game. So I don't think the coach would go out there and throw him out there with no practice this week and expect him to be able to kind of keep up with Seattle's offense because you're not going to be able to, to to do a lot of what he likes to do um, if Seattle is hitting on all cylinders. So we'll see. Now, Dwayne Haskins looks like he's going to be the starter. What does Dwayne Haskins have to do for you, Aaron? Let's ask the question for your perspective, and then we'll ask the perspective from the Washington fan base. But from your perspective, what does Dwayne Haskins have to do this game or potentially the rest of the year for you to say, okay, he's still going to be on the roster next year? He would have to win all – they would have to win out, I think, for them to – and it's not just the organization because I don't think the organization hates him. They just prefer a Alex Smith type over him. But the way they get to that is by planting the little seeds that they plant in the fan base and the media, and you know how the media is here, and they'll take stuff and run with it and start making things up. So I think it would be a toxic situation for him to be here if he didn't overperform what I feel like he's able to do at this point in his career. So I just feel like there's almost nothing he could do to end up being the starter for this team going forward. I know they were playing the 49ers. The 49ers have a lot of injuries, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But from what I saw, and I was going in and out, I was writing a paper. I was going in and out watching it from what i saw to me the only difference between alex smith's game against the 49ers and dwayne haskins was alex smith started the game to me i felt like the the, it was the same it was the same it didn't really matter who was back there and alex smith had an interception that was the only difference in the game (laughs) and see i didn't even see that part (laughs) but but yeah like to me, it was all the same, but, but we have different narratives about who who played well and who didn't, who was moving. You always hear the, the phrase moving the offense, and I'm just like, are you this scoring? This loves moving the offense 20 to 20. You remember when Kirk was here. They love that. That's better than touchdowns. That's better than anything is moving the ball from 20 to 20. You know, so now obviously your team is leading in the division, so – it is what it is, but yeah, I, I've always said this that Dwayne just hasn't been given the chance to fail yet. He's only played, I think, ten isn't he I don't even know if it was ten regular season games. But but yeah, he hasn't been given the opportunity to fail. If, if you find out that he's bad, then you make the move. But I you know, it is what it is. Let's get to the team that got their first loss against you all, the Steelers, that now have two losses. Why do you think they are on a two-game losing streak, Aaron? Well, one is they refuse to run the ball. I don't know if that's um, because they feel like they can't at all, but I don't think Ben's in a place in his career where he can throw the ball 50 times a week and they win. There's no A-B on that roster. Uh, I mean, I like Chase Claypool. Um, I like, uh, what's the 
the other guy's name. I know um, there's I know there's Deontay. Yeah, but this isn't the type of team that's gonna dominate people through the air. Um they were really close against the Jaguars. Um if if Lamar didn't uh end up having coronavirus, they probably would have lost that um that Ravens game. That's true. And then they ended up coming back in the second half, like late in the second half of the first Ravens game that they ended up winning. So it's just like, I think the signs of this being here have been here for a while. I mean, you had people predicting that Washington was going to beat an undefeated Steelers team at what, 10 and 0 in the season. So, I mean, the seeds kind of were playing it, but I just don't think they're as good as their record necessarily says they are, but they just have to figure out some some philosophical differences that they have to make on offense because this is not going to be the formula, especially as it's getting colder and the games are going to get more physical and be more defensive and, and be close. You have to find a way to be able to run the ball. Yeah, they, it seems like they're allergic to running the ball. And I know James Conner was out for a few games, but I mean, you do have Benny Snell who did well when Conner was out earlier this year. Or at least, yeah, earlier this year. But I I think that's the problem. Also, you mentioned for a team that was coming in, I think, 10-0 and or 11-0. and They did play a... They are playing a third-place schedule, like, at the end of the day. And for those that don't know, you know, depending on where you land on in the division, will dictate at least two of your games the next year and because they ended in third place for example the Steelers this year are playing they're playing the NFC East and that's another thing they got to play the NFC East they were they're three one in the first NFC East teams then they got to play um who are the other divisions that they're playing either way they're playing third place teams and the AFC I, South with Houston and Jaguars okay yes yeah, so they were able to beat up on those teams and yeah, and they got like you said, we mentioned the NFC East. They were able to beat up on them, so they got a lot of wins on teams that aren't good. And it seems like they ran up against a very good defense in Washington, and now a very good team in Buffalo. And I don't think they'll be able to beat the Chiefs if they meet in the playoffs. So, you know, congratulations, you had a very good start. I don't think y'all win in the Super Bowl, and I don't want to hear from Steelers fans. Talking about well, it's the injuries. It's it's Pouncey. It's DeCastro. Is DeCast? I can't remember DeCastro's name, but uh, whoever else is hurt on that team. Uh, all I've that's all I've been hearing the last two weeks. Well, it's because of injuries. Because of injuries. No, I mean, y'all don't run the ball, and your receivers drop passes left and right. That's They're- crazy. <laughs> like I've never seen anything like that. I could see in a, one game, but like to carry that over from week to week, I've never seen anything like. That. Yeah, Eric Ebron got you two drops a game. Two drops a game. And I got him on my fantasy team and I'm a little hurt right now. <laughs> Let's now get to uh the favorite teams of the host of the podcast. Um my my co-host Matthew White is a Minnesota Vikings fan. Well, he must not like me and Harold. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he he look, 
He doesn't like Kirk Cousins. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, he was he was definitely sad that uh, Stefan Diggs wanted out because of Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and it's crazy because Diggs is balling right now with, with Josh Allen. <laughs> um, they fell to the Buccaneers, so they're on the two game losing streak. Last week, the previous week, they lost against they lost against the Bears. Dalvin Cook. I mean, these last two losses, and I know they're not on him. But honestly, I was saying at one point in the year, he was the MVP if they make the playoffs, the way he was running that ball. Now, obviously, I don't know where they are right now when it comes to wild card, wild card standings, but it's not looking good for the Minnesota Vikings right now. Let's now get to my Dallas Cowboys. They are the Dallas Cowboys. They got America's a win. Team. And I couldn't even celebrate because it was the Bengals. They they won thirty to seven. The cool thing was it was Andy Dalton's return to Cincinnati, so that was cool. But it's the Bengals. Like if we had Dak Prescott and if we we're playing the way we're supposed to be playing this year, we probably should have beat the Bengals thirty to seven. And I, and honestly, I think if Joe Burrow's in that starting lineup, <laughs> things could have been totally different for this team. Um, but yeah, Cowboys got to win. I, this is how like apathetic I've gotten with the Cowboys this season. I forgot they were playing at one o'clock and (laughs) I didn't even, I was like, oh snap, the Cowboys game is on. Let me, let me, let me see what, let me see what they're doing. I didn't, I didn't even turn on the game until the second quarter. So I, I don't think that's ever happened in my lifetime where I had the time to watch them and I just didn't. So I'm pretty apathetic about the Dallas Cowboys right now. Let's now get into NFL pick them. Aaron, we are not like you all where you all pick against the spread. We are still just picking winners right now. Next year, my co-host and I said we will pick against the spread. So that's what we are going to do. Let's start off now with week four, week 15. Excuse me. We have a Thursday night game tonight. Chargers at Raiders. Aaron, who you going with? Give me the Chargers. Mm. It would be it would be the Raider way to lose this game with John Gruden. Um, but there was an interesting stat. Uh, Derek Carr. Ooh, this is what I meant to ask you earlier before we get to this. And it has to do with your Washington football team. Let's say, let's say that Washington does whatever. They, they either make the playoffs or they miss it by one game because of down the stretch, blah, blah, blah. The Raiders, they have an option to get out of the Derek Carr business. Would you like Derek Carr for your Washington football team? I think he's an improvement over what they have. I think he has... There's obviously a ceiling that I don't think his ceiling won't carry you to the Super Bowl. But I feel like as far as what Ron's trying to build right now, if you mean he comes here and is a quarterback for two to three years, I think he does help the trajectory of what they're trying to do. And with that defense, you have a chance. And the reason why I bring that up next year, if the Raiders, I heard this today i think if the raiders get out of the Derek carr business the cap hit is like really minimal 
Like it's it's almost nothing. They almost could be like, yeah, whatever. Just just assess the cap hit. We'll move on. So that's why I was asking, like, how would you feel with Derek Carr if Derek Carr would have come to the division? Mm, I wouldn't like he would it. Be as the a, best quarterback in the division outside of Dak. I, of course, I, you have to see how Dak looks coming off that injury, but he would instantly be probably the best quarterback in the division. I wouldn't like it as a Cowboys fan because you all would have a competent quarterback. And I feel like that sometimes that's the thing that has held the team back. And with this defense, if you just got a quarterback that can at least put up 300 yards, two touchdowns, and even one interception that isn't costly, y'all could win the game. <laughs> Especially- that would have been 10, 11 wins in this division. This <laughs> exactly. So, that and, and with the struggles of like my Cowboys and that defense, like, man. And that cap is two and a half million. So yeah, if they're going to get out of it now, this year is the year to do it. Yeah. So uh, that that's what I meant to ask you a little early. But let's now get back. Uh, you said you're going to go with the Chargers. I'll go with the charge. I go with the Raiders simply because it's they're at home. That'll be the only reason. Saturday night football coming up. Bills at Broncos. I'm gonna go with the Bills. What about you, Aaron? Bills. Luck. All right. Saturday night also. Panthers at. Packers, who you going with? Packers. I'm going with the Packers also. One o'clock kickoff on Sunday. Seahawks at Washington. I'm going to go with this. This was tough, man, because that defense can get at 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 uh, Russell Wilson, and Russell's been sacked, I think, forty one or two times this year, and they're going up against this defensive line. I'll still go with the Seahawks. What about you? Seahawks. All right. Jaguars at Ravens. Who are you going with, Aaron? Ravens. I'm going with Ravens also. Bears at Vikings. I'm going to go with the Vikings. Mitchell Trubisky is going to go come back to earth. So what about you? Give me the Bears. All right. Patriots at Dolphins. This is their second matchup of the year. Patriots are six and seven. Dolphins are eight and five. Who are you going with, Aaron? Give me the Dolphins. All right. Ugh. I'll go with the Dolphins. Patriots don't play well in Miami for some reason. I, I don't know what that is. And uh, Cam is struggling. Cam is struggling. Can't we? He's struggling. So, uh, uh, Buccaneers at Falcons. I'm going with the Buccaneers. What about you? Buccaneers. All right, Lions at Titans. I'm going with the Titans. What about you? Titans. Texans at Colts. Who are you going with? Colts. Yes, I'm going with the Colts also. I don't know why I was thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Eagles at Cardinals. Who are you going with there? Give me the Eagles. All right. This is 4 o'clock game. Jets at Rams. Rams, I'm not even asking you who you're going with. You're going with the Rams also. <laughs> That's a fact. Chiefs at Saints. I'm going with the Chiefs. What about you? Chiefs. Sunday night game. Browns on Sunday night football against the Giants. The Giants uh, offensive coordinator, um, Jason Garrett. He has COVID-19. So the offensive coordinator for this week is Freddie Kitchens, who was the previous head coach of the Browns. Sunday Night Football at Meadowlands, Browns, Giants. Who you going with, Aaron? I like the Giants. With Colt McCoy starting. 
Because <laughs> I think Daniel Jones is going to be out this week. Okay, okay. This So, Giants defense is really good. This was supposed to be a game. Mind you, it wasn't even supposed to be a Sunday night game, but the Cowboys are such trash that they had to move them out. <laughs> and I guess because the Browns kind of are still in this, might make the playoffs, might not. They, let's put them on prime time so they flex them in. I think the Browns are going to fumble the bag on this one. I think the Giants got this one. <laughs> and Monday Night Football, Steelers at Bengals. I'm going with the Steelers. They'll get their 12th win of the year. What about you, Aaron? Steelers. All right. That'll wrap it up here for our NFL segment. Let's now get to our quick hitter segment. Keontae Johnson, star basketball player for the Florida Gators. He was the preseason SEC player of the year. He collapsed on the court at Tallahassee facing the Florida State Seminoles. He was taken to the hospital. At one point, he was put into a medical induced coma. He is now alert. They said he even FaceTimed family and friends. One key note about this was he did have COVID-19 in the summer. I think the entire Florida Gators basketball team had COVID at some point. And now we're seeing, we saw that he collapsed on the floor. We know the story is about myocarditis. Aaron, what have you've been saying some things about college sports and COVID-19? Uh, let, let the listeners know about your opinion on that. I just think if there was ever a time where the slave ship was going in and people were going to get paid, it should have been this year. They had all the leverage in their hands. And if there was ever a time where they were going to be able to get compensated for the money that they generate for these universities, that this was going to be the time. So um, it's way too much risk and way too much pressure being put on, being put on kids that's 18, 19, 20 years old. But I mean, that's the world we live in. And I just feel like they should have held out to get something. To get something. Yeah, you're right. This would have been the time. I also see the other side of the spectrum where these players probably felt like, man, if I don't play this year, I know my scholarship is going to be gone. I got to look out for potentially next year. So they're dealing with this. Um, This pandemic is really showing. I mean, we've known this. We've spoken about this. I've heard you and the rest of your crew on your podcast speak about it. We know college sports is not amateurism. It's professional. (laughs) It's these dudes. But the only thing that's not professional is, is, is the pay. And this was not part of the rundown, but I just read up on this right before we started recording. Did you hear about the athletes bill of rights that is being brought to Congress? No. So it is a, it is a bill um, sponsored by Cory Booker, which by the way, I did not know he played football in college, but he played football at Stanford. He was a tight end him. And I think three other democratic senators are proposing a bill to basically get not just name image and likeness for college athletics, but they are coming up with what they call a bill of rights. That's going to deal with uh profit 
revenue sharing. So their model is basically the revenue your school makes after paying scholarships for the players that the players would get 50-50 split. So that is a proposal or that's something that's already brought to the they already were talking about it today in Congress. And um, not just that healthcare um, guaranteed scholarships even after you leave the school. So if you don't graduate if you're still in academic standing when you leave you can come back for free instead of paying out of pocket also uh a trust a trust for um a health trust that you can use up to five years outside of college for any injuries that you sustain due to athletics and um there was some other stuff but oh also that the uh ea sports video games ncaa football and March Madness to come back. So that's something that is uh, being proposed. Now, obviously, just like all other politics, it looks like at the moment, conservatives are like, nah, we just want to keep it at name, image, and likeness rules. And it looks like Democrats are like, nah, like let these, these athletes get paid, especially in these revenue generating sports. You know, let them get a piece of the pie. So that's something that just broke that we that um i heard about earlier before we started recording other news major league baseball officially recognized may uh the negro league as a major league league a major league and they are going to recognize the stats from the negro league and incorporate it to major league baseball stats now i wish i had the time i was a little busy are you familiar with clinton yates aaron no. So Clinton Yates, he works at ESPN. He's from the area, actually. From the area. Black guy, but he's big in baseball. He didn't seem too happy with what was happening. And I I didn't read the piece. So I need to I just saw the tweets, but I need to actually go read the piece. Um initially when you hear that they're going to that they recognize them as a major league, it sounds good. But I do want to know, like, what else are you doing outside of just saying, hey, you recognize the Negro League was really good. Like, are you going to be like compensating some of those older guys? Are you going to be giving them health care? Are you going to going to be doing other things? Will it be part of Cooperstown? Blah, 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 blah. So that's something I do want to wait and see, especially hearing what Clint Yates pretty much was tweeting about. And also the Cleveland baseball team. Getting rid of the Indians out of their nickname. They'll be called the Cleveland baseball team for their foreseeable future. <laughs> um, but they will be able to still sell old merchandise that they have. And um, when, you know, because of that, now the Chicago Blackhawks, people are saying, well, what about the Blackhawks? Blackhawks have already put out a statement and said, we will still be keeping the Blackhawks to quote, honor the Blackhawk community. That's what they said. I think they all use the same like template and just switch out the names <laughs> whenever this stuff comes up. This is exactly the same thing that happened here with Dan Snyder when talking about the Redskins. And it just it's the same template. My thing is, and when I was younger, I'll admit this. I didn't have a problem with Blackhawks because like, well, I was like, you know, Redskin is a slur and Blackhawk is the actual tribe. But now that I'm older, I'm like, 
yeah did you get permission from the actual tribe like to use their name as a mascot so i want to know because there actually is representatives for the black hawk tribe like what do they think about this so yep that's where we are now with naming in sports i'll wrap it up here for our quick hitter segment let's now get into our champ and chump of the week segment aaron every week we celebrate the, those who do well and we criticize those who do not so i'm gonna put you on the spot who would you say is the champ of the week in sports chase young right now baby want a champ. <laughs> that's a good one that is definitely a good one my champ of the week will be Giannis Antetokounmpo. Baby, wanna chill. I mean, if you get paid what you get paid, like <laughs> you, you're automatic champ in my book. Aaron, who is your chump of the week? Adam Gase. Cause you're a chump. <laughs> let let the listeners know why Adam Gase is the chump of the week. Cause he's terrible, and that team is terrible. I mean. They don't have a whole lot of talent on that team, but to not win a game. And then when you have a chance to win a game and it seems like Greg Williams is doing y'all a favor because the Jags only have one win. And if you don't get Trevor Lawrence after putting this performance that they put out this year, (laughs) then that makes it 10 times worse. And then you fire the defensive coordinator. It just is so toxic over there. A lot of the players are talking about not wanting to be there. And it's just, it's just bad. He's got to be the, one of the worst coaches I've seen since maybe Jeff Fisher was this bad. But, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, Adam Gase is is the privilege. I mean, the example of white privilege of failing up. You, you were brought in because you were supposed to be this guru because you worked with Peyton Manning. And then you worked with uh, Jay Cutler, who Jay Cutler is still Jay Cutler, or he was still Jay Cutler during that time and you get a job in Miami and the first year is all right. But then the next two years trash or the next year, I can't remember how long he was there. And so far it's been a dumpster fire for the jets. And uh, like you mentioned, you don't want to come this far, struggle this, this long into the season. And then, you know, almost get that win last week against the Raiders. It kind of reminds me of the, and I'm not remind me because I re, I was alive when this happened, but just because I know what happened back when OJ Simpson in the OJ Simpson draft, the Eagles were winless very late into the season, and they won the they won the last two games of the regular season that knocked and knocked them out of first overall pick, and that's how OJ Simpson ended up with the Buffalo Bills. You don't want that situation with the Jets where you win a game. And it ends up on like a coin toss or something. Yeah. And the checks get They can't even lose right. It's just, it's terrible. <laughs> and then they get fired and get hired without even an offseason. Like literally hired this guy the same year he got fired. Like he's some guru. It's, just, it's ridiculous. My chump of the week. And this one, a lot of people aren't going to even think about this because most of America did not even watch this game. But the Falcons Chargers game, my chump of the week is Matt Ryan. Because you're a chump. Like, dude, you've been in the league for so long. You still make these same mistakes over and over. And all these turnovers. How you get I don't know how you get fooled like by defenses at, at if you're supposed to be this good. I just don't know. But yeah, man. You you're the reason why the Falcons lost to the Chargers. 
You're the reason why uh, at least Anthony Lynn kept his job for another week. Because, <laughs> unfortunately, he needs to be out of there uh, as the Chargers head coach. So, yeah, Matt Ryan is my chump of the week. Let's now get into our sports-free zone. Aaron, you are an owner of a small business, aren't you? I am. All right. Let the listeners know what your small business is and, and what is what the job entails. So the company is called Mid-Atlantic Consulting Group. And basically what I do is uh, manage and integrate uh, Apple products. So MacBooks, uh, iMacs, desktops, um, iPhones, iPads into Windows environments for enterprise and uh, also manage them, um, build images, um, reporting, all those kinds of things. Uh, And also implement... um, uh, a platform called Jamf Pro to be able to manage those machines. So okay, all right. Uh, how about uh, when? When did you start this this business? So what happened was, I got a CC'd on an email that I was not supposed to be CC'd on, where I saw how much they were paying for my position, and I said the joint blew my mind. I said, "Oh no, nah, I'm about to cut out the middleman." This was. I want to say like six years ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I ended up starting it. Wow, wow. And um, so I understood what you said, but what what is? I guess what was the what's the largest scale? I guess operation you've ever done, and you don't have to say names of who you dealt with, but what is something that that you've done on a large scale for your company? Um, so there's a university. Um, actually recently um, that reached out to get a contract done on some work that they were trying to rush because obviously you have this remote um, learning situation and they had a bunch of machines that they purchased that they wanted to get out. Um, but I think that's the the largest independent um, deal that I've got done since I started the company. All right. So before we get to our next topic, uh, just plug your company again so the listeners can know where they can reach you if they ever need assistance. Uh, so the company's called Mid-Atlantic Consulting Group. Uh, the website is midatlanticcg.com. Um, yeah, and if you, we also do a, a finder's fee, no questions asked, $10,000 cash up front if you end up, um, if, you're, if you work at a company and they have iPhones or Macs, then there's a chance that you might need management. So if you can hook up a meeting and a contract ends up coming from that $10,000 cash up front. Okay. A lot of people love money. So y'all heard it there. Make sure you, if you need anything in your office or a professional setting to deal with iOS products, make sure you check it in Atlantic consulting group. Let's now get on to some other topics. I, I always leave this in the rundown. But uh, there's still election news, even though the election ended over a month ago. Uh, <laughs> you have Kelly McEnany who said uh, that the Trump administration is ready for a transition if it is found out that Trump ultimately lost. So they're still talking about this. Uh, you do have the runoff election for the Senate seat in Georgia. Um, we... we we still have Congress trying to determine a stimulus plan. A rumor is that they're thinking about a, uh, a, a, a stimulus check. 
of $600, which is half of the $1,200 per person that they were giving earlier this year. And when you look at what other countries are doing during this pandemic, for example, Canada, I think, is giving $1,500 a week. I'm sorry, a month. I'm sorry. $1,500 a month, I think. And uh, some other countries are giving out like 2000 a month to stay home. Germany. <laughs> you mentioned Germany. And then also New Zealand. They ain't got no new cases. <laughs> See what happens when you sit your ass down and wear a mask? They, they are. It is their summertime right now. New Zealand has no new cases. I've seen photos and videos of people in New Zealand. Where they're just walking around, no mask, no no mask. <laughs> just they they go to parties, they go to clubs, restaurants, like it's nothing, and they're making sure people aren't coming in like to the country until this is over. So, uh, say Australia is doing uh, almost as good as New Zealand. We're seeing a lot of the African nations are still pretty good because they're locking down their country. Uh, my family, where they're from, Grenada. So far has only had, I think, 50 cases since this began. And 30 of them came recently because, listen to this, Secrets, I'm sorry, not Secrets, Sandals. They just opened a Sandals resort about maybe three, four years ago down there. Well, Sandals was allowing people coming in without testing them. And someone or a group of people came, tested positive, obviously trans uh, transmitted to... Uh, workers so now there's 30 active cases in the entire island when at one point i think the largest they ever had was like two or three at a given time so they have a spike there we have our own spike here that isn't you know doesn't seem like it's going out of sight we have the vaccines rolling out um i'll say this because the vaccine conversation is is almost as bad as who you worship and your political views at this moment. Uh, I'll say this. If you are going to do the vaccine, okay, cool. Uh, don't criticize those who do not because you don't know reasons why. Um, for example, Tuskegee experiment was not that long ago, Aaron. Like, it was not that long ago. So for black people to not... To be leery about a vaccine, like, that's understandable. Like, I, I can't even fault you for that. Um, there's been other medical issues, other issues with vacu- vaccines in the black community. So I understand that. Now, if you're spreading fake stuff like, oh, there's a chip in the in the uh, in in the vaccine, you know, that's going to track us. I'm like, well, if you got a smartphone, I mean, they already know where you live. You got a social security number. They already know where you live. Like, they, they can track you if they want. If you're going to be spreading, spreading, you know, fake news like uh, Donald Trump would say, then, yeah, I, I don't have a, you know, I have an issue with that. But me personally, I am when it's time. And I say when it's time because someone like me ain't going to see a vaccine until probably middle of next year anyway, because I'm not in the not one of the health workers and i'm not in the immune compromised group before it gets to the general population so when it's time i will because yeah we got to get back to some sort of normalcy man Uh, what do you think about all this with coronavirus aaron um 
I think it's just typical of the society we live in in this country where people get to get to politically or politicize science. Like <laughs> if it works for what my political views are, then I'm for it. If not, then it's fake. It's just, it's just weird. And then when you look at people are actually really dying and then other societies are already back to normal, but because of half of these idiots that run around here, it's worse than it was when it first started. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally worse than when everything was locked down and was it? March, April, like where, whatever time they started locking stuff down, it's worse now than it was then, because people just can't sit still for two. If everybody just sat still for two weeks, <laughs> this would have been over by now. Yeah, and especially now that, especially now with the vaccines coming out, I know it's not mandatory for people, but we, we still need enough people to do it. So at least this virus doesn't spread as fast. Cause I mean, the only way it keeps on going, I mean, it only, it keeps on going the more people it could attach to. So, <laughs> and, uh, um, herd immunity also takes a very long time, like years. Like they're saying three to four years to get herd immunity on stuff like this. So right. you, you a lot know. of people are going to die. People are just assuming, Oh, if everybody gets it, you might be one of the people not here to see the other end of that. <laughs> It doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to have uh, pre-existing conditions or issues to to not survive it. It seems to be like almost random. It is so random. And that's the scary part about it, that it is just so random. I know people who literally said, yeah, I tested positive, but I was never sick at all. Like I never felt sick. And I know people who said, you know what, if I die right now, I'll be cool with that. (laughs) like that's wild that you ever get to the point that this sick this virus is so bad that if i die right now it's it's better better than than this like like, that is wild like this ain't the flu it ain't the flu hey it ain't the flu so so yeah other news outside of sports have you uh been following this uh jill biden doctor scandal that people have been talking about with that clown Tucker Carlson, yeah. <laughs> For those that don't know, uh, Jill Biden, she goes by Dr. Jill Biden because she has her doctorate. She is the vice or the second lady, I guess. Yeah, the second lady. Um, well, uh, Joseph Epstein, just some white guy. I really don't even know what he does, to be honest. <laughs> I know at some point he taught at Northwestern. I don't know what he does to, to where he got an op-ed in the New York Times, but... He wrote an op-ed about Jill Jill Biden and and said that she needs to drop the doctor in her name because she's not a medical doctor. And then um, they're actually I end up reading the op-ed. I'm like, yo, this is terrible. What he was saying, he was mentioning that, oh, you shouldn't call yourself a doctor because you have an EDD. Also, I mean, you went to University of Delaware. That's what he said. He went to University of Delaware. And that your thesis wasn't even that, like, good. And he went on and on and just said, yeah, doctors should be left to people who are actually in the medical field. And then you had Ben Shapiro, that clown, who was reiterating the same thing. You mentioned Tucker Carlson. So, yeah, I just think, man, it's just so (laughs) it's just crazy that this became a big issue. Like, Like that someone spent time 
writing an op-ed on Dr. Biden because of a doctor in her name. That's wild. Uh, you you have anyone close to you that has a doctorate, Aaron? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. So uh, my wife has a doctorate. And I wish someone would say that about my wife because she, the talk about the, like basically her life was almost on pause for five years. Like doing that. The, 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 the amount of days that she would literally get like two or three hours of sleep to finish an assignment. There were days before we got married where I had to leave my house in Bowie to like go to her house in Silver Spring to wake her up from her hour nap to make sure she gets up <laughs> because she's so tired. Like, and this is like sometimes four or five o'clock in the morning. I got to get up to go wake her up or I got to get up early so I can drive her to school so she can study in the car instead of her driving herself or the coffee breaks or the vacations we had to put off. And like, I mean, we haven't had a real honeymoon because of this, like, <laughs> and so for someone, if someone were to say, yeah, your doctorate is nothing. Cause you have an EDD. I, I think I would be swinging heads. That person. <laughs> it is not even me. So I could definitely, if it, if it was me, oh my goodness, I might actually kill someone saying that just because of all the hard work that you have to put into it man uh that will wrap it up here for our sports free zone let's now get to our reddit topic of the week every week we go on reddit we find an interesting topic bring it to the table for you all last week give a shout out to my man who was on the show here jonathan tillman he just goes by tillman though uh we spoke we revisited the whole mocker maker signing to howard and how things were going for those that might not have listened we mentioned how uh macro maker is uh unfortunately injured he is out indefinitely for a i think a groin injury but we the topic that we were discussing had to do with the next step because macro maker is a five-star recruit playing basketball at an hbcu um I, aaron i know you all spoke about it on your podcast when he signed uh what were some of your thoughts when maker decided to sign with an hbcu man i think it's it's definitely a good thing uh but we kind of as black people have to get to a point where we stop looking at at white as the bar for success Mm -hmm. or white as what's right or the better option and i get that these, these other schools have a lot better facilities, a lot more money, but that comes from the athletes that they draw being there. Like they couldn't build these schools without all of these black kids that come out of all these other cities to this school to perform the way that they do and bring in billions of dollars for those schools. Mm-hmm. And there will never be a time if you don't build up the kind of wealth that these people have at these other schools and these endowments and things like that. If it has to start somewhere. And so it just comes to a point where who's going to be the generation that makes the sacrifice to, to have, like, let's say six or seven out of a top 10 class go to HBCUs. Mm-hmm. It's going to take something like that for them to be able to kind of shift how that those later generations are going to look at going to an HBCU or just taking another route other than going somewhere else. Like LaMelo Ball, I think 
what uh, LeVar Ball did with his kids give you a little bit of a glimmer of you can still be a top pick without going that 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 same template that everybody else has taken for the past however many years. Like you can still be a top NBA pick without having to go play college basketball at one of these major universities and be on TV every day. Like there are other routes if you're good enough. It's just that sometimes I feel like we look at that and be like, oh, well, it's definitely the simpler, easier way. Don't get me wrong, but at a certain point, if you're going to keep complaining about the way things are, somebody's going to have to do something to change that. And it's not going to be somebody else that's going to do it. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. At some point, it has to change. I think the easiest route that I mentioned beforehand is maybe we're going to have to keep we're going to have to make create a AAU to HBCU pipeline where a few of these high profile AAU teams are going to be like, look, you come here and we're going to try and get you in HBCU schools. And just like all the top elite teams, like it, like what was it? Team takeover here in DC. Like what if team takeover was like, look, you gonna be on this team and we're going to open your eyes up to HBCUs and, make them like the option for you and then eventually all those guys go there like think about it let's say there were like you said five or six out of the top 10 went to different hbcus now you're talking about five or six good teams because one person's on them right (laughs) so the the games are going to be good uh the teams are going to be competitive among themselves um what are some other suggestions because i also mentioned that also there is some responsibilities on the schools themselves to not, I guess, sh- get themselves out of the bidding. Because I, I brought this up last week. What's his name? Now I'm having to blame. What's the dude's name? Reggie Wayne. He's from Louisiana. His father went to Grambling. And he was legitimately considering Grambling. But when he went to recruit, went over there for the visit, they were like, oh, we, you too good. You know, you're not coming here. And he was just like, what do you mean? Y'all know I'm not coming here. He's like, we know y'all, you're not coming here. So we're not even like, we're not even really trying to recruit you. You're just here for your visit, blah, blah, blah. And he said that was what ended up being the reason why he didn't go to Grambling because he was like, they didn't really want to recruit me. Um, I also know just because of people i know who've gone to hbcus even in their athletic program they're like yeah man they didn't really like the school they didn't cater to athletics do you think that's some of the issue with some hbcus i mean i hear you but i don't necessarily think if guys were seriously going to take that serious and come to hbcus they would recruit them you think these coaches are dumb enough not to know that hey if i can get a a top 5 prospect or a top 30 prospect mm-hmm. that that's not going to help their chances to stay at the school, to compete in whatever conference they're in. I've actually seen it kind of work the other way around where coaches will recruit players. They know they're not going to get, but player might be a little bit of a knucklehead or he might not be too, uh, there might be whatever issue end up causing him to go somewhere else first and then come back and play at a HBCU late mm-hmm. at a later date. I've seen Bowie state thrive off of that and win, CIAA championships and conference and um, what division are they in? Like Division Three or whatever championships. Division Two. Of, yeah, they won. They've been winning. Off of doing that, recruiting guys that are going to go. You're not going to get them the first go round, 
but you never know what happens and they might circle back uh, two, three years later and you'll have a chance to, to coach those kids. So I, part of it's on the school, but you can't, if you were to go on some of these visits and see the facilities that some of these other schools have, and they're playing in front of 20,000 people versus some of these gyms fit like what, five, 7,000. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a difference to a 17 year old kid. That kind of stuff makes a difference when a lot of the imagery you see of these big time college basketball, they're playing in front of these huge venues on 4k cameras versus, I mean, it's just, the presentation is different. Mm. Whether people like it or not, the presentation is different. And the point is, are you going to build that presentation or is that constantly going to be the thing that sends those kids to these other schools? It has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, some news this week. Deion Sanders was able to get some recruits in there that were, for example, you like you just mentioned, there was a kid that was at a junior college. You're supposed to be like top five junior college player. In the country, was supposed to go to Georgia, end up getting him to come to Jackson State, and he ended up getting I think five or six other guys that were supposed to go to D one, like uh, Power Five, son. yeah, Power Five um, conferences, and now they're going to be playing at Jackson State. Do you think that's also the next move? Like we're going to have to start when I say we, we at HBCUs, even though I never went to one, I still claim them. Uh, we, do you think that we're going to have to start getting maybe like? Guys like Deion Sanders or just other pro athletes respected end up being coaches and athletic directors. I think that helps because it's a draw. Guys know, oh, he played in the league. He knows what it takes. He has connections. And it's just another draw. It's it's a way to help get some of the, and you're not going to get all of them, but to help funnel some of that talent to HBCU. Yeah, man, I... I think I think they're going in the right direction. Let me let me say this. Things are definitely improving and it's actually going a little faster than I thought. Right. I thought it was going to be like, okay, we get a couple guys and then 15 20 years from now we get enough another few guys who make it to the pros, but it seems or like- you could pay, you could start being the first to pay. That would make the needle shift real fast. <laughs> And I'm not saying give guys $10, $20 million. I'm not saying that. But if you start being the first ones to cut the check, you guy might get, and I know they still getting money over there in D1 under the table, but I'm saying if you could openly get a guy $250,000, $300,000, that could make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I am noticing a lot of the younger, like the underclassmen in high school, they're at least talking on social media now, like about HBCUs. You know, Mikey Williams, I think, is a sophomore now, supposed to be the best sophomore in the country. He's already talking about that's the route he's trying to go. And if he's as good as people are saying, like he's supposed to be better than Mocker Maker, you know, when he when he hits his senior year. So the fact that these teenagers are actually thinking about it, I think that's a great step. It's funny, this is the generation that was eating Tide Pods not too long ago. And, <laughs> and, and and it's the generation that's pushing for social justice and now pushing for, uh, you know, justice with this sport. So I think it's going to come a lot sooner. I think it's going to come in our lifetime where HBCUs are going to become the powerhouse again. Because let me reiterate, HBCUs were the sports powerhouse 
and then you know integration ended up coming and you you thought it was going to be better but when it comes to hbc athletics it has not it's actually been very detrimental but yeah that's i think i think it will happen i think it will happen how many before we get out of this segment how many years do you see and let's start with basketball how many years from now would we would it take for us to see an hbcu make it to the final four in the ncaa tournament you mean from these young recruits starting to funnel into those programs? Yeah, like how many years do you think it'll take where we'll see an HBCU uh, team make a run to the Final Four? Or even the Elite Eight, but let's just say Final Four because that one, everyone knows the Final Four. I think it's going to be kind of hard because then you're only talking about certain uh, certain conferences because a lot of these conferences, they're Division Two or Division Three, So it's just, it's just not going to be possible that way. Um but if they get the right player, all it takes is one year. All it takes is a year. I mean, I we we we, we witnessed it here because we live in the area. But George Mason, I mean, that was a mid major, but it made it to the fi- they made it to the final four. And they are literally living off of that still to this day. Right, <laughs> that one appearance. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the easiest route is basketball to at least get the get the train rolling um and then football obviously never zero percent chance i don't think football just because of i think foot i think what it was the hbcu conferences i think they can get to mid mid uh mid major tier i think they could like can make it on the level of the mac where you're still on tv and you still like scouts go to your games a lot mm. but yeah ba- football is gonna be a little harder basketball is the one where i think they could definitely make some noise and some other sports like when you think about how, how howard is getting the golf team backed by steph curry that could be a good thing i could see that i could definitely see some some of those more than football because there's no parity there's two or three teams that have a chance every single year and football. So you're talking about these other huge programs with the same budgets that go in the year and you know don't have a chance. So that's mm-hmm. why there's just no parity. So it's going to be a definitely an uphill climb for football. But I could see golf or tennis or something on that. Um, something more individual where you don't need 15 guys. You might, if you have one ringer, you got a shot. Like mm-hmm. I could see that for sure. All right. I'll wrap it up here for our Reddit topic of the week. Before we get out of here, uh, Aaron, real quick, plug all your plug the podcast and the business one more time. So I'm one of the members of the Other Side of Sports podcast. Uh, show comes out every Wednesday morning. You can find us at Other Side or OSS 980 on Instagram and Other Side of Sports on all the other programs uh, platforms. Uh, the company is called Mid Atlantic Consulting Group. And that'll be Mid-Atlantic CG on all platforms. And the website is midatlanticcg.com. All right, Aaron, I want to thank you for coming on. Don't be a stranger to the podcast. Give a shout out to the rest of the OSS crew. Like Aaron said, all of our other podcasts that we support, um, shut your face. We, what you expect podcast fourth and 13, um, tampering season. That's my boy Tillman. I know he hasn't, recorded one in a while make sure you go check him out check out the work he's done 
pass the word uh soggy nachos um our businesses big ming reina's doll parts eat the city dc trezzo beach dual visions with my boy mike edwards uh minor and associates if you're looking for a home also jacaro dodd another real estate agent if you're looking for a home or a rental property make sure you check them out aaron thank you once again for coming on until next time everyone sports reality peace <laughs>